chapter 10. We looked at the first three verses last week, and we'll look at the rest of the chapter today. This is God's Word. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun. As it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places. And the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there's no advantage to the charmer. The words of the wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens the heart and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, and some winged creature tell the matter. Thus far God's word. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. We pray your spirit to attend the preaching of your word, to bless and apply it to our hearts. Help us to hear it as the Word of God, loving it, receiving it, being shaped by it. Help me to preach it in the power of the Spirit according to truth, Lord. Do your work in each and every one of our individual hearts, in your church, in your world. We look to you and trust in you. 
You are the sovereign Lord of the universe. You are the creator and sustainer of all that is. You are the redeemer and sanctifier through your son by your spirit. Do that today, Lord. Bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. May you be greatly glorified. May we be greatly edified. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Oh, what did you see, my blue-eyed son? And what did you see, my darling one? I saw a newborn baby with wild wolves all around it. I saw a highway of diamonds with nobody on it. I saw a black branch with blood that kept dripping. I saw a room full of men with their hammers a-bleeding. I saw a white ladder all covered with water. I saw 10,000 talkers whose tongues were all broken. I saw guns and sharp swords in the hands of young children. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, and it's a hard, it's a hard rain are going to fall. Bob Dylan, a hard rain's going to fall. A poignant picture of a fallen world filled with suffering on the brink of destruction offering little hope. And for today, much of the suffering of this world comes through the policies and decisions of foolish rulers. Much destruction is wrought through wicked and foolish rulers. And this world is filled with foolish rulers and foolish people who love to have foolish rulers. Nothing new under the sun. It's always been true that good rulers are rare. You can see that as you read the history of Israel. Never a good king in the north, only a few in the south. Good rulers as God defines good rulers. Good rulers who love and trust Him, who promote the truth of His Word and the justice found in His Word. They are rare. It has always been that way since the fall, and it is certainly that true that way today. Do we have foolish rulers? Yes. We have had foolish rulers, and we have foolish rulers. Before you think I'm insulting them, what did we talk about last week? What is foolishness? Foolishness is a rejection of God and His ways. Failing to lean on Him and promote His truth and His justice. And wisdom is one who is in submission to God and His ways and promoting His truth and His justice. And as a ruler seeking to be an under ruler, that, that a magistrate that would enact laws and protect laws that would be in accord with God's Word. So yes, we have very foolish rulers. There are a few and a mighty small few in government who are truly wise. And we need to know how to live in the context of foolish rulers. 
How do we live in light of this? See, we've been studying Ecclesiastes, and we've said before, if you're new to our study, that Solomon is basically taking us and shaking us by our shoulders and saying, listen to me. Know where you live. Know who you are. All here is vanity. And what he means by that is temporary. It's transient. It's here and it's gone. It can't sustain your joy. It can't direct you into true happiness. So in order for you to know who you are and know your purpose and know how to live, you have to look above the sun. Because life under the sun, if you just look here, it will be at best confusing. Know who, the temporary nature of yourself. Know the temporary nature of where you live. Know that it is a place of wickedness and foolishness. It is a fallen world where we find injustice and death and all sorts of things. Look above the sun. Let God define who you are. Let God define your purpose. And we come to chapter 10 today. And we find, if you look at my Bible, you probably see blood, sweat, and tears on the page. How in the world do I take the rest of this chapter and preach it? It's been a wrestling match. And last week, that's why I did verse 1 through 3. One, one reason is there was plenty to cover there. Another reason is I'm still saying to myself, Lord, what do I do with this chapter? But if you, you can see how verses 1 to 3 sets the stage with the warning against folly and a, and a recommendation of wisdom. And we're to look to heart, look to God and trust Him and, and be defined by Him and walk in His wisdom. And then the rest of this chapter, I think I found a unifying theme. And it's foolish rulers and how we live in the context of foolish rulers. So it's not just disjointed nuggets of wisdom that we have to just kind of pick off one at a time. I wanted to get the big picture of what Solomon was trying to convey, and I think maybe what he's trying to convey here is the fact of foolish rulers and how then we should live in light of that fact. I mean, if you look at verse 4, it starts off talking about rulers. The ruler's anger. Then you, you talk about uh, in 5 and, and 6 and 7, you see more about rulers. You go on down and you, and you catch more about rulers until the last verse when it's talking about cursing the king. So as I finally was sitting out on the back porch and just pondering and praying and listening, it was like it clicked that the, it begins with rulers, it ends with rulers, and it's talking about rulers in the middle. And then there are all these nuggets of wisdom interlaced with that. So at least for me this week, it seems to be that the, the meta message of this section is the fact of foolish rulers and how we live in light of that, how we live under foolish rulers. So my main point, and it'll be broken out in a number of points, but live well under foolish rulers by looking above the sun and seeking to glorify God in your thought, words, and deeds. It's just a definition of life, really, glorify God. But thinking about that in the context of foolish rulers. Look at verse 4. We'll start with stay calm under fire and respond well. Stay calm under fire. Be wise in relationship to the ruler. Foolish rulers 
And even righteous rulers, but especially foolish rulers, often get angry. It says in verse 4, If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay, a great, lay great offenses to rest. Calmness of spirit. Not returning what you get. Not returning anger for anger. Not letting it stir you up. You lose your proper thinking when you become controlled by anger. But this probably, maybe this has primary reference to one of the king's servants or advisors in a dangerous place, right? To remain calm and do not abandon your post when the ruler gets angry. Do your duty calmly. Entrust your situation to God. Calm heads are clear heads. Soft answers turn away wrath. Seek to continue to be a good advisor to the king and don't just run if he's angry. Do your job. But I think that extends to the rest of us as we face the anger of the governor. I'm using that in general. I'm not necessarily directly talking about Mr. Cooper. But this extends to anybody who would face the anger of a ruler, especially if we are wise and especially if we're seeking to be faithful to God and that's what brings the anger. I mean, you see one of our brothers in Canada facing a lot of that right now where they've actually fenced in the church with double fences to keep people from gathering and worshiping God. Sometimes we will face the ruler's anger for being faithful to God. How do we do that? How do we face it? Remain calm. Stay on target. And glorify God. Do not be controlled by fear. Foolish rulers, wicked rulers often try to control people with fear. Propaganda, fear, threat. If we are faithful to God, we know that at some point we are going to raise the ire of wicked rulers because they're predominant in the culture. And it seems like it's going to get worse rather than better apart from a a revival. If the ruler is angry with you because you sinned, praise God, repent. Right? If you've stolen something or committed murder or broken the speed limit, whatever, the, the, it's not to blame the, the wicked ruler is not the problem. It's you. You can't not pay your taxes and blame it on wicked rulers. I'm sorry. God tells you to do so. So if the wicked ruler is angry because you sin, you repent. If the wicked ruler is angry because you're faithful, You do not cave. You do not cave. Why would not the early church burn a a pinch of incense to to Caesar? Why would not they say Caesar is Lord? It's easy to say. Because it wasn't true. The cry of the early church in the confession was Jesus is Lord. The culture tried to press them to, to be more inclusive. To not be so narrow. It's okay. You can have a lot of gods. Just let Caesar be one of them. Just just say it. All you got to do is say it. 
Say it or else. Open your mouth or lose your head. The early church said no. If the wicked, if rulers are mad at you or at us as a church because we're being faithful, we do not dare slack on our faithfulness to please wicked rulers. We remain calm. We remain respectful. But we stand firm. Just like the apostles in Acts chapter 4. Remember we, we studied through Acts where they basically told the apostles, stop preaching the gospel. Do not talk about Jesus. And Peter didn't say, okay, sure. Sure, Mike. Sure. We'll do that and then go off and sneak and do it. <clears throat> not that there's never a time for covert action. But they said, no. They told them to their face, not in a mean way, not in a rash way, not in an ugly way. They just said, listen, we can't help but speak of what we know. What are they saying? We have a higher authority than you that has told us to do this. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. They said, no, we can't help but speak of what we know. So no, we won't obey you. You need to know why we're doing this and that gave many opportunities for the gospel. But they weren't, they weren't so afraid of the anger of the ruler that they were willing to dishonor God to dissuade the anger of the ruler. I mean, look at how much even Jesus submitted to. In, verse, in 1 Peter 2.23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. See, sometimes we revile in return. We as Christians go astray sometimes in that we return harshness with harshness. We return coarseness with coarseness. We might even revile in return. But he didn't. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. How could he remain so calm? Well, it was his mission. He knew what he was doing. He was glorifying the Father. He was saving his people. He was being faithful. And he would not veer from that. And we can do the same thing. When we're persecuted, we can leap for joy. We can celebrate. If we're persecuted for Jesus, not because we're jerks. Often the evil rulers will be angry because we do not bow to their tyranny. If their tyranny is in opposition to Jesus and His reign and His rule, we must stand faithful against it. So stay calm in the face of the government's anger. Remain focused on glorifying your King. Entrust yourself to Him who judges justly and will one day write, all wrongs stay on target, which is the mission. So stay calm under fire and respond well to the king's anger. Compromise is not the response, the, well, the good response. Respectful faithfulness is. And that's what we see. Next, see the danger and plan well. Look what this says, and it's a little bit longer passage. I'll read the first part of it. There is an evil, verses 5 through 7. 
There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding, error proceeding from the ruler. What is that? Folly is set in high places, and the rich sit in a low place, or the qualified. Think qualified. Unqualified, qualified. Ready, equipped, would do it well, you know, and not. Folly is set in high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Often the unqualified lead, and when I say unqualified, I don't mean they don't have political experience. In fact, their political experience many times is the problem. We need to reboot and start over. They, they might be worldly wise and have a lot of political experience and know how to compromise and know how to get things done. It's just that the things that they're getting done are wicked and not righteous. But Solomon is seeing, I've often seen folly exalted to leadership. I've seen fools in places of leadership. Remember, a fool is one who rejects God in his ways and his word. We're not saying anything about his intellectual capacity. Worldly, godless people, ill-equipped people raised to leadership and princes, those who are well-equipped and ready to serve, humiliated. Foolish, the foolish rule and the wise are rejected. You have a fallen world with fallen people who love fallenness and who exalt fallenness in the face of God sometimes. And we have gotten to the place in this country that the political machine is so bold that they seek to stick their finger in God's eye by making law what is clearly defined as unrighteousness in His Word. We cannot go along with that. But it's true that wickedness is often exalted to the throne. And qualified or not. Sometimes politicians, and even foolish politicians, will try to pander and quote the Bible. It's often humorous when they drag it out of context and try to make it say things it doesn't say, and it's sad at the same time. Y'all know this quote. John, John Calvin said this, sympathizing with Solomon, telling us what's going on. When God wants to judge a nation, He gives them wicked rulers. In other words, He gives them over to what they want. That is certainly true, and it is certainly happening, and it is happening here and now. And we have wicked rulers who would outlaw the gospel and elevate sin to law and lock you up if you promote it and call it hate speech if you promote righteousness and the day is coming they might actually be successful to physically lock us up. Well, John MacArthur said, I've never done prison ministry. But if that's what it takes, bring it on. We have to remain faithful. See, Solomon is saying folly is often, I mean, he knows he was there and foolish for quite a long time. Wisest man that ever lived, we talked about that a little last week. But God does not abandon His people when the foolish rule. The unprepared can suffer more because foolish rulers are dangerous. 
And that's kind of, see, as I was wrestling with this and trying to figure out what to do, what to do with this is kind of where there's some of this stuff, at least in my head, and maybe I bumped my head, kind of seemed to, to come together a little bit. But many of the decisions, many times decisions made by foolish rulers cause great harm. And those unprepared suffer more. Those unaware of the danger, those who, who, who don't read history are doomed to repeat it. Those who are unwilling to look and see the outcome of some of the stuff that's going on will suffer more. And that's what this danger stuff is about, I think, in verses 8 and 9. He who digs a pit will fall into it. A serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, or he who splits logs is endangered by them. So just as open pits are dangerous and serpents are dangerous, and quarrying stones is dangerous, and splitting logs is dangerous, and requires care and a forethought and proper planning, so foolish rulers are dangerous. See the danger. See the connection and see the danger. Foolish policies will lead to disastrous outcomes no matter what the intentions of your heart when you make them. Just as all these things are given as examples and he just repeats them and stacks them up to get us to see that, that there's danger here. There's danger of falling into the pit or being bitten or, or being hit on the head by a stone or a log. There's danger and we should be careful and foresee the danger. And just as there's danger in those things, so wicked rulers are dangerous. So see the danger and plan ahead. You're not omniscient. Nobody can tell us everything that is to come. God hasn't told us. But recognize the danger and plan ahead. And here's where wisdom helps. Just one of the ways. Look what it says in 10 and 11. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. You ever heard the saying, work smarter, not harder? Sharpen the axe before you go cutting with it. It'll make your work easier. Know what you're using and how to use it. Heard a man that brought a chainsaw and took it back because it didn't work. He was trying to use it as a saw. Crank it. Wisdom helps us succeed. Wisdom will help us plan ahead. Wisdom will help us be wise and sharpen the axe before we try to cut with it. Or verse 11, have a proper timing, a forethought. If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there's no advantage to the charmer. Things are out of order, flipped upside down. My, my best advice to you is don't charm snakes. I've known people who, and listen, God didn't call preachers to handle snakes. And they've been a bunch of them die. But I mean, I had friend, friends that would mess with rattlesnakes and stuff. I'm like, that's dumb. Leave them alone. Anyway, the point is, keep things in their proper order. See the danger, plan ahead, give it forethought, do things in proper order. Be wise, even if the rulers are foolish in wisdom, God's wisdom will help you. We are under foolish rulers right now who are very economically foolish. 
Listen, we can't keep printing money and handing it out. There's going to be a result of that. There already is. They don't care about you. They care about them. Look ahead. Look at Venezuela if we keep going in the direction we're going. And take a crystal ball. You keep printing money and handing money out and winning people over with it. And the pretense of good purposes going to create havoc. There's a downturn coming. Unless things change, there's a downturn coming. Houses are ridiculous prices right now. If you, can, if you cannot buy one right now, don't buy one because it won't be long when that price is going to come back down. Look up to God. Be wise. See what could happen. Begin to prepare for that now. Because apart from a reversal, of course, it is coming. Plan well. See the danger. Seek to avoid it. Seek to take care of your family in light of a coming potential crash. Wicked rulers are dangerous and they bring suffering and we need to see that and plan ahead. Now, watch this. We'll flow from that and that danger and that warning and begin to focus in a little further on ourselves. Watch your heart and speak well. Number three. This is 12 to 14 and 20. I'm going to bring 20 up to here. Watch your heart and, and speak well. And we've talked about this a little bit already. But look what it says. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor or are gracious. As God defines that. But the lips of a fool consume him. That's a pretty funny picture, isn't it? Somehow eating yourself. Your words are either building up or tearing down. And foolish words are always tearing down, even if they're funny. The lips of the fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. And the end of his talk is evil madness. It doesn't get any better and a fool multiplies words. It, and it appears maybe he even thinks he knows everything that's going to happen. Though, the, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? Watch your heart. Watch how you speak. See, the fool just lets it fly. There's no thought before speaking. He reacts immediately to emotion and just wah. Let's it fly. He doesn't think before speaking. He thinks he knows it all or most all of it. And you have to hear it from him. But see, the real, realization and one of the ways to apply this is many times foolish rulers will make you angry. And if they don't make you angry, you're not thinking. It's okay to be real about that. Many times a foolish ruler will make you angry, but watch your heart and speak in a way that glorifies God. Be a wise person with gracious lips that are not consuming themselves and those around them by venting their opinions all the time and doing it in a coarse way. 
Watch your heart and always speak in a way that glorifies God. That goes for every way that you speak. Texting, Facebooking, TikToking, whatever. It all is, and we've talked about this before, is to glorify God. Be careful because your lips can get you in a big pile of trouble. They can, you can consume yourself. You can injure those around you. You can dishonor God. You can, you can take down a lot of good work just with a few words that aren't glorifying to God. I saw this quote this week. Do, don't do something permanently stupid because you're temporarily upset. Anonymous. Anonymous is a lot of good quotes. Did you know that? That's a smart don't do something permanently stupid because you're temporarily upset. And be careful in the context of foolish rulers. Learn to deal with it now because, it, listen to me, it's going to get worse. Without revival, it's going to get worse. Learn to honor God in the midst of stress, in the midst of foolishness coming at you from rulers. Some of, some of you are uncomfortable this morning. We don't always talk about this stuff, but when we come to it in the Word and we are teaching through Ecclesiastes, uh, we, we have to address it. Let me give you some advice. Speak to God more about foolish rulers than you speak about foolish rulers. And keep the Great Commission in mind when you do speak. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. What do you mean? For kings and all who are in high positions. That here's what we're to be. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Sometimes we don't have a close enough rain on our hearts, therefore we don't have a close enough rain on our lips or our fingertips. Be careful with your heart. Guard your heart above all because your mouth reveals your heart and your life reveals your heart. Do not return curse for a curse. Return a blessing instead. Love your enemies. You know everything Jesus taught about this. And look, I'm going to bring verse 20 up because this is what we want to do when evil rulers make us mad. Look in verse 20. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. Boy, that's a popular thing to do these days, isn't it? People who don't want to work and work hard and want everything given to them often think the rich got theirs by doing nothing and so they should share it with everybody. You want to change your life? Get a job. You won't be having time to prance around in the streets and do all this. Hmm. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. Look at that. Look, look before we're talking about our mouths... Even in your thoughts, don't curse the king. Don't curse the ruler. And we don't, I know, we don't have a king, so I'm off the hook. No. Even in your thoughts, don't curse the president. Even in your thoughts, don't curse the senator. Even in your thoughts, don't curse the governor. What is cursing? Now, this is not all speech. Cursing means to revile, which is to criticize in an abusive or an insulting manner. 
It's to speak irreverently or contemptuously. It's to wish or design any evil against them. This does not mean it's wrong to point out their sin. It does not mean it's wrong to speak truth to power. But we can do that wrongly. Notice how it deals with the heart first. In your thoughts don't curse the king. Nor in your bedroom, the most private place. For a bird of the air will carry your voice and some winged creature will tell the matter. Jesus convicting words that we will be judged by every careless word that we speak. That's that's weighty, right? That makes you thankful for the gospel, doesn't it? Wow. Life and death in the tongue. We have to be careful. First, our own death. Consuming ourselves and then those around us. So be careful of speaking irreverently, contemptuously, wishing harm on others, being abusive and insulting in your manner, being coarse and just harsh. You might be saying everything right, but being very harsh with it. Be careful. And again, I'm going to repeat. It says do not curse the king. It didn't say don't speak to him or speak about him or call him to account. I mean, you see John the Baptist calling you know, the king to account and you see... You know, Jesus at points calling the rulers to account. There's times prophets, rulers are called to account by God's people. But it's all about how you do it as well. Be sure in your heart you're honoring the ruler so that out of your mouth you can honor the ruler and it be a gospel opportunity. Yes, faithful to God. Yes, speaking truth. Not forgetting the mission as well. That's why Peter could say, Peter said this in in 1 Peter 2, 17. Now watch, it says, honor everyone. That's hard, right? Love the brotherhood. That's where it comes from. Fear God, we're ramping up. Now watch this, honor the emperor. You know who the emperor was when he said that? Nero. Sweet little Nero. Wicked, wicked man. Wicked, wicked man. Far worse than any ruler we've had yet. At least in action. Honor that everyone. Watch your heart and speak well. I'm going to have to leave that with you so I can get finished. Number four, look to God and work well. Boiling us down to our lives. And this is important. Look in verse 15. And this, this sort of brackets another quote about the kings and uh, the rulers. And I'll read it. Uh, make a little comment and come back to this. The toil of the fool wearies him. For he does not know the way to the city. Where the jobs are. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your prince's feast or party in the morning. Wrong time. Wrong thing. Happy are you, O land, when your king is a son of nobility and your prince is feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So you see in here, you know, woe is the land when the, when the rulers are foolish and blessed is the land when they're wise. But regardless of all that, watch out for how you respond. Verse 18, through sloth, the ro- through sloth that's laziness, the roof sinks in. And through indolence, the house leaks. I literally had that happen to me. 
in Columbia, South Carolina, when I put off redoing the roof over the laundry room too long, it literally sank in and started leaking. I always think about that when I see this verse. But verses 15 and verses 18 come together. They come together and tell us, be a hard worker. Handle your business. Handle your business. Do your job. Provide for your family. The, the, the fool hates work. He hates the thought of work. It wearies him. The toil does. And that's just not about talking about physical weariness. This is, he just doesn't like it. He don't want to do it. He won't pursue it. He, don't even, you know, he doesn't even know the way to the employment office in the city. He's lazy. The sloth of, you know, and things are falling apart around him, verse 18. And in the middle you have a contrast between foolish rulers and wise rulers, and we know that we have, for the most part, foolish rulers in this world. Let me warn you about something. Laziness can be a great tool in the hand of a wicked ruler. Laziness sets you up to be manipulated by wicked rulers. Foolish rulers will seek to promote laziness and dependence by promising to give you everything you need. Free stuff. They'll start sending you stupid amount of money in the mail for nothing until you start to expect that. And next year you go, where's my stimulus check? Like you're supposed to get one every year. They don't do it because they love you. They love themselves in power and they seek to gain and grow their power with free stuff. They give so you vote. And you continue to do that. Be careful. Fight against laziness. And this is why we're saying you've got to look above the sun. Seek to honor God in all that you do, including your work. Work hard. Glorify Him in it. Beware of the foolish ruler. Hope and pray for them and hope and pray for righteous rulers. But take care of your business. Very little of what they do is really coming in and keeping you from working. Beware. Don't be the one who would rather have free stuff than work. We're nurturing a whole generation to want free stuff. Get a job. Start low. Work up. The lazy set themselves up as victims. See, free stuff for you is stuff that was stolen from somebody else. Somebody had to work. There's no, there's no money tree in Washington. It's kind of Robin Hood thing where you have to steal from the rich to give to the and poor. Yes, we want to take care of people who need it. But don't be doing that to give to the lazy. Don't raise your kids to be lazy. Free stuff in socialism is a wicked philosophy that produces laziness and mediocrity and will destroy a nation and it will destroy your life if you imbibe in it. It ends in poverty and ruin. It's not of God. The Word doesn't teach socialism. It teaches honor and glorifying God with everything that you have. 
and being generous, but you still own it. Acts 5. Don't be lazy. Beware of being lazy. Don't train your kids to be lazy. Make them work. Don't give them an allowance for nothing. Now, don't throw anything at me, kids. <laughs> you need to learn to work and work hard and not be dependent. If you are, if you are not able-bodied and you need people to help you, then you should be helped. If you're lazy and living in your parents' basement and playing video games all day, you should be booted out. Learn to work hard. It honors God and it will be a blessing to you. Laziness brings ruin. Look up to God and develop a work ethic that glorifies Him. Be independent of foolish rulers who would seek to manipulate you with their gifts. Don't let them addict you. Trust God, not men. Work hard. Last, trust God and enjoy well. I didn't know what to do with this verse either, and not a lot of other people do, but um, I think there's a point here. It says, um, Bread is made for laughter, and wine for gladdens life, and money answers everything. Or well, better, money answers all kinds of things. Right? What is the point here? No matter what wicked rulers do, this is at least what I'm bringing out of this, no matter what wicked rulers do, God always provides enough for His children. God will always provide everything you need to be contented and joyful. Enough bread representing food and wine representing drink and, and you know, in some sense prosperity. Money, which obviously is what we need to pay bills. God will always provide everything you need to be contented and joyful. Listen to me. You have everything you need right now to be contented and joyful. Because you have Christ if you're trusting in Him. See, your biggest problem is solved. You have God who is with you and for you, promising to provide everything you need, and you have everything you need today to be joyful. But don't start with anything other than Jesus. That's where we begin. Do I have what I need? Yes. If I never get another bite of food, I have what I need. Christ died for my sins. He was buried. He was raised the third day. He's given me salvation as a free gift. I don't have to earn it because he did. He worked in me through the preaching of that gospel repentance and faith so that I have turned and trusted him. Justified, declared righteous on the basis of Christ. Being sanctified, somebody today to be glorified. I use myself in that, but it's true of you too if you are trusting in Jesus. It's a work of God's grace. He sacrificed his son for us. Christ died for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you have everlasting life, you have what you need to be content. But you have a God who has promised to give you what you need to live here as long as he wants you to stay here. may not be as much as you want, but it is what you need. We have today what he wanted us to have today. And it is enough. 
may have more or may have less tomorrow, but it will be enough. As we saw before in Paul in Philippians in 3.1 and 4.1 says rejoice always. It's got to be rooted somewhere other than here if we're going to rejoice always. It's rejoicing in Jesus. And do not be anxious. He goes on in chapter 4 of Philippians. Pray and trust. Look above the sun. Rest in your Savior. Know that He is with you and for you and will provide everything you need to not just live here, but to live faithfully here and to glorify Him in all that you say and do. Paul says this in chapter 4 of Philippians. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. He was talking about the Philippians had supported his ministry, his gospel ministry, and he was glad that they had revived that. And he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Look, I have learned. He had to learn this, but he had learned it. In whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. If we're not careful, we don't know how to glorify God in either one of those places. And, in, and look at this. In any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. By the way, that's what it's talking about when that verse is yanked out of context. It's not talking about you being whatever. It's talking about him sustaining you and a bit, making you able to be contented with little as well as with much. See, God promises to give you everything you need to glorify Him, to live faithfully for Him, to respond well to the wicked rulers that you're under and see to it that you remain on mission, being the light and salt that you are. So trust God and enjoy well. You belong to Jesus. If you're trusting Him, you belong to Him. He's yours and you're His. He's forgiven you. He's cleansed you. He's clothed you in His right, righteousness, filled you with His Spirit, given you His Word, promises to take you all the way home. You have hope beyond this life. If you're in Jesus. Are you in Jesus this morning? Has God worked repentance and faith in your heart? Have you seen that you need a Savior? You've broken God's law. You deserve wrath. But by God's grace, you have turned and trusted in Christ. If so, these things are true of you. If not, repent and trust Him today. But you belong to Jesus, church, so live well under foolish rulers by looking above the sun and seeking to glorify God in your thought, words, and deeds. And just from this text, bringing out, stay calm under fire from foolish rulers and stay focused on God so you can stay calm. See the danger of foolish rulers and plan well for the trouble they might bring. Watch your heart in regard to foolish rulers and speak well in a way that honors God. Look to God above the foolish world rulers and work for Him. Work well, therefore working for Him. And trust God above the foolish rulers and enjoy well. Whatever He provides, it's enough. Enjoy it because of His grace to you in Christ Jesus. See, under the sun, in this world, in this fallen world, it is filled with foolish Ness, foolish people, and for the most part, foolish rulers. 
But that's exactly the right place for the gospel to penetrate. What happened to the Roman Empire when those 12 um, guys who didn't get it all were chosen by Jesus? One of them betrayed him, replaced, when they went out into the Roman Empire with the simple message of this gospel. Literally transformed the empire. See, America's in a good place for us. Because we will shine as lights in contrast to the darkness as we are faithful to our God. And they'll either love it or hate it and God's in control of that. But look above the sun to your faithful Savior. Seek His kingdom first and always. Know that everything you need will be supplied. Rest in His grace and live for His glory. I rewrote Bob Dylan's song. The one I started with, I rewrote it a little bit. It's not very good, but I'll read it to you, and then I'll read something real good from Revelation 21. Oh, what did you see, my blue-eyed son? And what did you see, my darling one? I saw a reborn humanity with angels all around it. I saw a highway of diamonds with everybody on it. I saw a black cross with blood that had been applied. I saw a room full of men with their hearts alive. I saw a white throne all covered with glory. I saw, ten, I saw tens of thousands of talkers with tongues filled with praise. I saw palm branches in their hands to raise. No more hard rains coming down on all. No more misery from the fall. Revelation 21, 1-4, I end here. Our future hope. Our King is coming there won't always be wicked rulers. In the new heavens and the new earth, there will only be righteous rulers under Jesus and joy and good speaking and everything. But it says this in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. This is God's people prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Fulfilling all those covenant promises. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. No more wicked rulers. No more sin in our hearts. Now watch verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Because of Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection, and our hope in Him, that is our future hope. Look there and live well here. The King of Kings is coming. To live as Christ. Let's pray. Father, have mercy on us. Help us to return a blessing for a curse. Help us to be gracious. Help us to be kind. Help us to not let any corrupting talk come from our mouths, but only such as good for the building up of those around us. Help us to watch our hearts and therefore to watch our mouths. Help us to watch our hearts that they are rested in you and trusting in you knowing that we have everything we need today for life and joy and godliness, and we will have everything we'll need tomorrow for the same. We have everything in having you, Lord Jesus.
and would have nothing without you. For it profits a person nothing to gain the whole world and lose their soul. Help us to have our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts fixed on you. Trusting that you have all authority in heaven and earth, that you are reigning to see your gospel go to the ends of the earth, that you are with us and for us. Help us to be on mission for you, to live lives that glorify you, to have lips that glorify you. And the only way for our lips to glorify you is that they have the gospel on them. So help us to have the gospel on our lips. Help us to be prayer warriors and pray, yes, even for our foolish rulers and everyone all the way down that we might live quiet and peaceable lives with all dignity. Help us to know how to walk through the challenges of this culture as it grows darker and darker. Help us to know how to walk through it and seeing your, shine, your light shine brighter and brighter in us and through us because you are with us. You are for us. You are in us and you are working through us. I pray for those who don't know you, that you would touch their hearts, that you give them eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would grant them repentance, set them free from themselves and their own ways. Open their eyes to see Christ as a glorious Savior and to turn and trust in him. Lord, bless us to love you. Bless us to love one another. Bless us to love our neighbor and be light and salt for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.